Last week, we began the process of talking about what it means to grow. We're entering into a series, uh, as Pastor Heather mentioned, called Rooted, where we really feel like God is calling us to drop down some roots that will endure the next tsunami, the next trial. I mean, if I look on the landscape of our world today, we, we, are, we are in the midst, and some of us have taken some hits. If you remember last week, I, I, I brought before you the picture of the Japanese miracle tree. Remember that in Japan? How in 2011, there was a massive tsunami with a wall of water that reached 133 feet high. And this one tree, a 250-year-old pine tree, was the only remaining tree on that island, in that particular beach, rather, that remained standing. They referred to it as the miracle tree. And how did it remain standing in the midst of a, 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 a torrent of water that hit it? How did it remain standing when the earth shook beneath its roots? How did it remain standing when the wind blew all the other trees away? It remained standing because its roots were deep. Its roots were strong. Its roots were grounded and, and, and held tight, probably to something very solid beneath the surface of the earth. The series Rooted is really about us getting back to the place where we can drop down roots that are deep. If there's one thing I can see over the, the landscape of even church today is I see people who have been uprooted and have found themselves blown to and fro, if you will, by the wind and the waves and the moving earth. How do we get to the place where our roots are deep enough to withstand the next torrent? There will be a next torrent. There will be another tsunami. There will be another wind. There will be another shaking of the planet. There will be another moment. My question for you isn't if it will happen. My question is, is how ready will you be when it does? How do you know how ready you'll be? Well, how ready were you this last time? Welcome here today. Welcome all of you who are, are at Church at Home campus as well. Lord, I pray today that you help us to hear what you have to say. You're so good, God. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a, a kid, I was raised up in a family. For the most part, I, there, were, um, there were five siblings in my uh, nuclear family, and we, my, there were some stepkids that came in a little later on, but for the most part of the five of us, I was the middle. I was the middle kid. That explains a lot, doesn't it? I was the middle kid, overlooked, pushed aside, no one paid attention. Come on, don't look at me like that. I need your approval. I'm a middle kid. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Our, our family, if you ever see pictures of my, my family, they're all, um, they're all under, oh, they're all five foot five and under, right? I'm 6'4", right? So I'm 350 pounds. I look like Shrek in our family photos. I look just like them, but I'm huge. They're just like, okay, right? It's hilarious. Anyway, of the family, I remember, I remember my mom and dad, uh, we experienced all kinds of craziness. There's one thing about my dad, though it wasn't the most emotionally safe house, I can tell you there were some things I learned from my dad. My dad was, uh, he, he liked just new stuff. I don't know what it was, but it's like my dad just knew stuff. I mean, from a flooding basement to the need to change the transmission on my truck to programming computer. My dad just knew stuff. How many of you had dads like that? They just knew stuff. I don't know what it was, but it's like we could, the house could go absolutely crazy, but somehow he just like was there to, to do stuff. He wasn't always the most vocal. He wasn't the, uh, 
you know, the most engaging, <laughs> but I can tell you, he just knew stuff. My, my dad was like, uh, my dad was like the backstop at a baseball field. I don't know what it is, but it's like if a ball got past us, he was there to stop it. Right? How, how many of you know what a backstop looks like? You know, it's interesting. Um, I remember one time it was, gosh, gosh, I don't remember what it was. It was, it was back uh, when we were interns together. But, but I remember it was a long time ago here in Tacoma, one of the coldest days recorded. In fact, in 91, I believe it was. <clears throat> we were, um, our 92, in Tacoma, uh, Thanksgiving morning. <clears throat> because I was a young, dumb kid, I decided that I was tired of traveling to all of our family's houses for holidays. Come on, don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. And so I decided, with my wife and I, I was like, hey, look, let's just stay home for Thanksgiving. And she's like, Lance, that's the dumbest thing ever. And I was like, no, no, let's just stay home and let them come visit us. And she's like, you know that they're not going to come, right? Coldest day of Thanksgiving ever, right? All I remember is waking up in the morning thinking, God, did this. I, but when you do that, by the way, when you do that, you have to cook everything yourself. You, no, one's bringing, no one's bringing the, the noodle salad, man. No one's doing anything. No one's, it's you. So I was like, okay, that was a, I overshot the runway there. But anyway, I'm waking up in the morning, and I hear water. It's like, and I was like, is someone outside peeing? What's, you, know that, you know that noise? I walked outside in our front yard, and there was a pipe sticking up, which was our normal water pipe, just spewing water. And I was like, let me remember, remind you, it was Thanksgiving in the 90s. And so um, Home Depot was barely. And I was, I didn't even know if they were open. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm the backstop. I got to fix it. Oh, no. I can't ask my dad. I can't do anything. I, I remember thinking, oh, no, I'm the backstop. How many of you ever felt like, oh, no, I'm the backstop in some area of your life? Right? Some of you don't feel like a backstop. You feel like a shortstop. In other words, you're fielding 100-mile-an-hour balls coming at you from every direction. Right? But you feel, I feel like the backstop, thinking I had to solve this problem. So I want to tell you this morning as we open up the Bible as we spend a little time. I want to talk to you about not just planting a seed. I want to talk to you about growing as a seed. What does it mean to grow in your walk with God? If there's one thing I think we need to do, it's to grow up. I would tell you this, you don't have to grow older, but you do have to choose to grow up. Right? Come on now. You don't have to grow, you don't have to choose to grow older. It's gonna happen. Trust me. You don't have to choose to grow older, but you do have to choose to grow up. Nothing worse than an older person that acts like a nine-year-old. Some of you are like, I just saw elbows flying. You're like, you know, it's you, right? Nothing worse than an older person that acts like a nine-year-old when they're not nine. Right? And I can tell you, oftentimes, that's that's what I feel like the maturity level in. Our world today feels like that we're just all just hoping someone else will be the backstop. And I'm here to tell you that at some point, God is asking and requiring his church to, well, stand up and be responsible for what's going on, not only in your own worlds, but in the world around you. That's why God put us here. You do know that God put us here to be light in the darkness and hope in despair. Yay! Remember? You, this little light of mine. You remember the song, right? Somebody just like, that little light of yours. I hope you're going to let it shine. That's yours. You do know that you're the light in your house. You're the light in your block. You know God strategically placed you at your job because you are it. 
I'm the only Christian in my job. I think I should quit. What? You're the answer that God, these people have been asking for. God, do something. He said, okay, I'll send her over there. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my house. God put you there. Keep preaching, Lance. Remember the first time when Jesus was presented to you? Remember what it was like? I don't know what it was like for you, but I remember when it was presented to me, you know, Jesus was going to be the answer to my problems. He was going to fix my broken things. Jesus was going to be uh, the, make the hard things go away. Somehow Jesus was going to straighten out the crooked stuff. I don't know, remember that when, when you were told, hey, look, you are going to hell and you need Jesus so you can go to heaven. Remember he was presented to you. Yeah, I, I just want to tell you, that there's, Jesus does all of that, by the way. He can do all of that. And the way that, not necessarily the way that you think it's going to happen. Jesus can straighten out your crooked paths and that life might not go as best as you plan, but he can still make things right. He can still bring healing to brokenness. He can still bring hope and despair. Might not be the way you order it, but he sure does it. Because he's the only one who can. Oftentimes we're like, wait a minute. God, I just asked you for help and I got cancer. Come on. And he's like, hey, 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 hang in there. I'm not done yet. Give me a minute. Yeah, but God, I didn't want that. God, there's a crazy world going on and then a pandemic hits. Where'd you, where'd you go, God? Oh, I'm still here, he says. I didn't leave. I'm letting my light shine through all y'all. As my sister says in Tennessee, all y'all. Here's my question. How, how's the light working? See, so many of us as Christians are kind of like, Lance, come on now. I just want someone else to do it. I want someone else to be the backstop. I want someone else to be the, 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 the end of the road. I want someone else to be the answer for the middle of my problem. Jesus said, hey, it's you. You got to have some roots that go down deep so you can be the answer and the hope and the courage that I have for the world that's around you. Listen, there's two reasons that it's a little harder to walk as a Christian today than maybe it was back then. Two reasons. Reason number one, external pressure. There's a lot more external pressure on you today, perhaps, as you have surrendered your life to Christ, you're walking it out, and for whatever reason, it just feels as though the pressures are different. Now, again, you didn't, you didn't necessarily... Uh, you didn't know what you know then, now, and, and oftentimes the external pressures of life, whatever it is, and by the way, it can be any season you're in, your external pressures feel, well, difficult to you more so than others. Your, your, your trial seems more difficult than other people's trials. The Bible in Proverbs says everyone knows their own pain, right? The, the, the length and breadth and the height and the depth of it. Every soul knows its own pain. External pressures to try to live up to expectations, perhaps. External pressures of trying to somehow fight against the current. Sometimes you feel like a, a salmon swimming up the stream, right? Everyone else just seems to be floating down, and you feel like you're, you're, you're beating against the rocks and the, and the roots and all the hard things that are around you, and you're just trying to make your way up this stream that just seems to be um, like, like going harder and harder against you. Sometimes our journey as a Christian feels like you're just swimming upstream, External pressures can be really difficult. There's another reason why walking with Jesus today could feel a little difficult for you and really difficult for, for many of us is internal pressure. 
the internal pressure, right? The living right pressure, the trying to honor Jesus with your, your thoughts and your actions, trying to do your best to flee sin and its temptations. Remember Paul, the apostle, he said this as a Christian in Romans seven fifteen. I love and I hate this passage because it's such a mirror of our lives. Paul writes this. He says, I don't understand myself at all. How many can relate already with Paul? I don't understand myself. Paul goes on to say this. For I really want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong. And my bad conscience shows me that. I agree that the law is good, but I can't help myself because it's the sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. I know that I'm rotten through and through. So as far as my old sinful nature is concerned, no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And even when I don't try, even when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I'm doing what I don't want to do, then I'm not really doing it, right? It's the sin in me that's doing it. Seems to be the fact of life that I want to, what I want to do, I want to do what is right, and I inevitably do what is wrong. I love the law of God with all of my heart, but there's another law within me. It's at war with my mind. The law wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that still have, I still have within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who can free me from a life that's so dominated by sin? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, you, you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Man, if there's a passage of Scripture that all of us can relate to, it's this one. Come on. I don't want to, but I do. I try not to, but then I give in. I want to. In fact, I was just asked this morning. So how about that fasting thing, Lance? How are you doing? Yesterday, I did pretty good for six days. Yesterday was a rough one, right? He's like, so going well for you? And I was like, ah, yes, mostly. Don't you hate peer pressure or accountability, I guess we call it? Come on now. Look at me like that. How's your fast going? Look at you. I'm good. Thank you. Come on. I texted, uh, I texted Heather in my, the other day, and I said, I hate fasting. <laughs> Hashtag. No, I love fasting because it exposes the fight within me. Come on. That's what Paul's talking about. I love this. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to talk to you about growing up in Christ. You don't have to choose to grow older, but you too need to choose to grow up. I want to talk to you about growing up. I want to talk to you about spiritual maturity, how to grow in your walk with Jesus, how to, how to draw your roots down deeper, how, how to create a soil of your life so that you can be one who the impartation of truth can take root and grow. 1 Corinthians 3.5 says this, Who is Apollos and who is Paul? That we should come to such quarrels. Why? They're only servants. Though through us, God caused you to believe, each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but, God, uh, but it was God, not we, who made it grow. The ones who do the planting or the watering aren't important, but, it's the, but God is important because he's the one that makes things grow. The real great thing here is if you understood a little bit more about the Corinthian church, they, they were... 
uh, they were not doing well. In fact, there was a phrase back in those days that if uh, you weren't doing well, that uh, if you were crossing some lines of sin in your world a lot, oftentimes people would refer to the people in Corinth as Corinthianized because they were dabbling in, in partaking of sin and, and literally wanting to partake of sin and worship God at the same time. God, I want to worship you with all my life and all my heart, kind of, but then I also want to have my own fleshy way. Right? It's, the, it's the same thing. They, were, they had been Corinthianized and allowed themselves into some crazy places of sin and justification. Let me give you five keys that I call to five keys to spiritual maturity. These are things, now again, you don't make yourself grow. It's God who makes yourself grow. But you have to cultivate the soil. You have to yard out the things that are going to be bad. Remember we talked about last week of the soil? We had four different kinds of soil and that we needed to be a soil that's receptive to the truth and willing to engage the truth and embrace the truth and allow it to happen in our lives. Five keys to spiritual maturity. First thing I wrote is this. Number one is a desire and a willingness to grow. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says here, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as a mature Christian. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in your Christian life. I had to, free, I had to feed you with milk because, and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. Listen to what he says. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful desires. You're jealous of one another, quarreling with one another. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your selfish, by your own desires? You're acting like people who don't even belong to the Lord. Man, Paul just didn't soften the blow at all. Paul just gets right in the middle of their business and says, hey, listen, guys, you're, you're, you got to choose to grow up. Uh, you, you should be eating spiritual meat, but you're drinking spiritual milk. He uses the picture of an infant and how they, they have to move from soft food to solid food. And he's saying, some of you are just like infants. You haven't decided to grow up. You haven't decided to allow Jesus to grow you up. You haven't decided to do anything. You decided to continue um, saying, come, come feed me, come feed me. Instead of what it is, I was talking to uh, some people yesterday, and, and I, they said, well, tell me about the church. What, a, what is the, the, the nature of church? If you were to give the 10,000 view of church, what, what's your purpose behind church? And I said, let me tell you what a Sunday service it should be. We should come to Sunday service, really, in our mind's eye, with a, a notepad or your phone or whatever you're going to write with and, and get information so that you can take it with you when you leave for someone other than you. Oftentimes we come to church to say, what is it that I get out of this deal? If you've ever taught a Sunday school class, if you've ever taught a, a person at work how to drive a forklift, if you've ever taught someone how to use a, a protractor, if you've, done any, you've taught somebody to do something, you realize at some level that you have to have a, you, you learn more when you teach it. And oftentimes we, we find ourselves in moments saying like, come on preacher, give me something. You know my job really isn't to feed you, right? My job is to equip you. That's what the Bible says. My job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You're the saints. I'm here to equip you, to take out of here what it is that you got. Now, will you learn something? Of course you will. That's what I'm talking about. Once you're teaching somebody, you're going to be learning something. It's going to, you're going to take it with you. And you're going to be changed and different. You'll give it away. And, and, and then fulfill what it is that God, Jesus told Peter, go feed my lambs. That's how you get fed, by giving it away. Number one, a desire and a willingness to grow up. I think that if we're going to grow into maturity, we got to want to. we got to want to. 
Number two, spiritual growth and maturity. How do you do that? Make room for the Bible to read you. Make room for the Bible to read you. Some of you are like, Lance, this doesn't make any sense. See, what you want me to say is make room to read the Bible. Actually, what I want to tell you is this is make room to let the Bible read you. Because you know the Bible that we read in our hands is living, breathing, and sharper than any double-edged sword. How many times have you read the Bible over and over again, and you're like, hey, two years ago I read that same passage, and today it means something completely different. Why? Because it's living and breathing and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. You know what a double-edged sword does, right? It cuts both ways. Literally, he's saying, listen, I want to get down to the bottom of you. Oftentimes, we read the Bible like a textbook instead of spending time in the Bible and allowing it to read us. We have to make room for that. that that's why I've, I really encouraged our church to, to be a part of our, uh, our readings, our, our, our daily readings for this 21 United. Uh, the method I'm asking you to do is called Lexio Divina. There's nothing super spiritual about this particular method. It's just a method. The thing I like about this particular method is that it's actually less reading and more sitting and more allowing the scripture to read you. you. You literally read it. And it's a smaller passage of scripture. But you'll be able to say, God, what are you saying to me? How, what do you want to do in me? How do you want to challenge and change me? And oftentimes it leads me to other passages of scripture. But moreover, Lexio Divina is an opportunity for you to sit and ruminate in his presence. I intentionally am trying to do that to make us all just a little out of our normal, because our normal is to just get information, go to another website, go to another thing, so I have more information, more information. It's not about information, it's about transformation. When you allow the Bible to read you, then you get transformed. Come on. By the way, I had this up here. Um, this, is, this is a bonus. Some of you know what this is, right? Yellow sticky notes. This is what I call the key to a successful Bible reading. Right here, sticky notes. When you read your Bible or on your phone, put a pack of sticky notes somewhere in your world next to it. Why? Because how many of you know when you start reading your Bible, the circus happens? I gotta call that person. I, gotta, I have to pay that bill. I have to deal with that situation. I need to apologize. Or I need to, whatever it is happens, right? Here's a suggestion. Sticky notes next to your Bible. Write it down. Just write it down. You should come to my desk, any of the desks I have here or at home, and you'll see it's packed to sticky notes. Because I literally am just like, absolutely, just write it down. You know why I write it down? So I don't have to think about it now. I'll get back to it. Right now I'm dealing with Jesus, dealing with me. And let me tell you, if I was the devil, I would do everything I could to distract you while the Bible is reading you. Sticky notes. Key to spiritual maturity. Number three, number three, spiritual growth and maturity, number three, allow someone into your life that knows more than you do. Allow someone into your life that knows more than you do. You know, we spend so much time in our world being the smartest person in the room, so much time trying to be the first one to inform people about a situation or a thing. We spend so much time saying, did you hear, did you know, did you this? Because somehow we want to be the first informants. You know, years of my life, I've had mentors who have spoken into my life. Some of them, some of them uh, one of the spiritual mentors in my life just passed away this last week, Ayako Billups. She's one who spoke deeply into my life. I love her. Oh, man. And I can tell you, uh, little Japanese lady, sweet, I don't know when she's in her 80s, right? I'm not, I'm not sure, 80, 88 maybe, maybe, close to 90. Uh, anyway, she just, just sharp as a tack. I got to talk to her last week. 
and uh, spiritually adept, and her spirit is so strong. She's with Jesus today. Come on, but she was a spiritual mentor. I remember coming to her. First thing she did, she walked up to me when I, when I got asked to come back here to Puget Sound Foursquare. She put her arms around me again. She's like four foot nothing. She put her arms around me. She goes, Pastor Lance, in her Japanese accent. I said, yeah, and she goes, you're fat. And I was like, thanks. It's awesome. Your honesty's comforting. No, <laughs> she was very honest. But, but, she, but she, man, she could read me like a book. How are you doing? Or she would really, when she asked how you were doing, what it felt like was, I know how you're doing. <laughs> and we have a mentor like that, where you come up to them and they're like, hey, look, I know what's going on in your life. And I'll, I'll tell you here, but really what they said was, is everything going all right? Uh, by the way, I, mentors aren't always easy. I have a, uh, my pastor, Pastor Dave Edler, uh, I got a phone call from him the other day. And, you know, sometimes mentors will disappoint you. I talked last week about en- enrolling in the class called Disappointment. Nobody likes that. But I tell you, one of the processes of growing up in Christ is, inter- is walking through disappointing moments. So my, my pastor called me the other day, and he's like, hey, Lance, how you doing? I said, good, man. He's like, hey, listen, that thing that I assigned you to do a while back, I don't want you to do it anymore. I'm going to let someone else do that thing. And I was like, but why? And he's like, ah, because I want to go another direction. I have my reasons. I'll let you know later. And I was like, what? He goes, I have other plans for you, but I'm not going to tell you right now. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? And the Lord just has to hang up the phone. He says, Lance, will you trust your spiritual covering or will you question it? And I was like, I want to question it. I'm going to text him right now. That hurt my feelings. My feelings were hurt. You ever had something taken away from you and you get your feelings hurt? Nobody raised their hand. Thanks. That's awesome. Right? It stinks, doesn't it? But here's the deal. If I'll trust my spiritual authority in my life, I will show up. That's what he's doing. See, listen, if you don't have someone in your life that prays a little more than you do, if you don't have someone in your life that knows Jesus a little better than you do, if you don't have someone in your life that scares you spiritually just a little bit, get one. Why? Because it'll cause you to want to be grow up in Christ. It'll cause you to become better. People in my life, these men and women in my life who God has brought into my life, who've challenged me, who've pushed me, who've made me mad, who've made me happy, who've spoken words of courage, who've spoken words of correction. If you don't invite that into your life, then you're all you got. I think the key to spiritual maturity is really allowing spiritual discipleship to happen to you, not just from you. Come on. That's lacking in our world today, is allowing someone else to speak into our lives. Well, what if they're wrong? Well, what if they're right? I remember one time I had a prophetic uh, voice into my life show up, and he said, hey, thus saith the Lord, Lance, this is what God's saying to you. And I remember after the service, coming up to him and saying, you know, I think you were wrong with that. He's like, nope, was not wrong. Truth be told, at the end of the day, he was right. I just didn't want to hear it. Come on. Hated that day. (laughs) Hate being wrong. Do you allow spiritual leadership in your life? Not just preacher leadership. I'm I'm talking about me. Please don't. It's not only me. I think I'm definitely a voice in your life. But I'm saying, will you allow spiritual leadership that knows you into your life? I mean, people that know you. It's different when I'm up here preaching it with you or at you or to you. I'm up here. I'm on a stage. You're, I'm not in your ear. I don't know your business. 
Somebody who knows your business can get in there and say like, hey, 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 that's crazy. How'd you draw that conclusion? That's just a little awkward. And allow them to speak into your world a little bit. Or to bring courage to you and say, hey, hey, you got this. That's a big hill coming, but you know what? God's equipped you. I'm with you. I'll, rock by, I'll walk right by your side. See, that's what spiritual authority and spiritual leadership in your life can do. I think the church today lacks spiritual mentees and mentors. Hmm. I felt like I stepped on something there. Number four, we got two more here. Number four, key to spiritual growth and maturity. Trust Jesus with your stuff. Come on now, trust Jesus with your stuff. That this is so important. You know what I love? I love that um, there are a couple of things. I know a spiritual gift of mine is to, this is a spiritual gift, I know it is. I walk into dark places and just flip the lights on. That's a spiritual gift. I know God's given me that. Why do I say that? Because a lot of pastors are afraid to talk about a couple of things. They're afraid to talk about money and they're afraid to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about both of them because it's not my problem. It's God's problem, right? What, you know your stuff. You know what I'm talking about. We need to trust God with our stuff, our stuff. Pastor Heather got up here and she says, hey, if you've not tithed, you should do that. Some people are like, no, the church is all they do is talk about money. It's not about money. Why do we get so uptight about money? Because it's, it's mine. Because the two-year-old wakes up in our lives. My money. Mine. Mine, mine. You know the two-year-old I'm talking about? Have you been around a two-year-old? What do they do with that little toy? It's mine, right? And what does God say? Trust me in this. Book of Malachi, he says, hey, look, the whole nation. Now listen to what it says. It's interesting in Malachi. Uh, I'm going to go down here a little bit, Dave. Sorry about that. Uh, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 6, rather. It says, I am the Lord, I don't change. Listen to what Malachi says. This is the, 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 the Old Testament, last book of the Old Testament. It says, I don't change this is why the descendants of Jacob are already completely destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my laws and failed to obey them. Did not re- and uh, now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how can we return to you, God, since we've never gone away? Listen to what he goes on to say. You should not, uh, should you cheat God, he says. You've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, God? Well, you've cheated me of tithes and offerings that are due to me. Listen to this, verse nine. You are under a curse. The whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be room enough in my, or food enough in my temple. If you do, the Lord Almighty will open the, open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out blessings so great that you won't have enough room for it. I love it. Let me prove it to you. So is it about money? It's not about money. It's about us saying, God, I... I trust myself, but I want to trust you. Listen, if you want to grow in spiritual maturity, the first thing you need to do is do something that's going to, well, get you outside of yourself. Amen. Amen. It's not easy. Listen, I'll tell you what, tithing is one of the hardest things that I used to, I used to have to do. There's other hard things in my life right now. To, to me, the tithing is one of those things where you're like, yeah, but you don't understand, Lance, there's not enough there's not enough money to get us through the month. In other words, the month is too much for the money. Listen, I, I've seen God show up in ways like you will not imagine. When I've said, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you, I don't understand how it's going to work out. And it's worked out. I don't know how it works out. 
Some of you have never tithed. What is a tithe? The word tithe in Hebrew is the word tenth. Literally, as, as Pastor Heather said, whatever it is, she started with something good. Start, start in your obedience process for sure, but just start somewhere. Begin the process of saying, God, I'm gonna trust you. Why? Because trust in yourself. What has it merited you up to this point? As the prophet Dr. Phil said, how's that working for you? Trust in you, yourself. All I'm saying is, is how about you try trusting him with your stuff? Wait, so if we withhold our tithes as believers, it impacts the entire nation? What? What would happen if believers began to trust God? Maybe the entire nation would be transformed. Wait, maybe we have something to do with this crazy. Because we're not trusting God. Just a thought. Number four, number five, sorry about one more, one more. Key to spiritual growth and maturity. Number five, stay connected to your church. If you're not in a church, get in a church. If you're online, you're just watching at home, good for you. But be connected to church. doesn't mean you have to enter the four walls all the time, but be connected. There are some people who are our church at home campus who are more connected than people who show up here every week. Be connected to church. Why? Because just like you saw the baby dedications today, why? Because we need you and you need us. And we need each other. Your spiritual gift is what it is that I'm lacking. Now, I can tell you this right now. I, I, I know I don't mind standing up in front of people and yapping. That's, that's easy. I, that doesn't take any stress. I, I, I don't, I don't when, when Phi got up here, Phi is an energetic little guy. He, he has all kinds of energy. He runs full speed, right? But when he got up here, do you see his little eyes? He's just like, there's lights on me, right? His eyes. I don't have that problem. I see the lights and I'm like, turn it on. Right? I'm the opposite of that. But there are some people who would be like breaking out in a hive standing up here. It doesn't matter, because, but your gift is exactly what it is that I need. I asked someone to help me write a budget the other day about something for this thing we're working on this project. He sent it to me back in this Excel spreadsheet with all these categories. It was so well done. I, I read the thing this morning. I texted him back and I was like, all I said was, this, dude, this is amazing. I can't do that. You know what I, I, I told myself? I need you in my life. Your ability to pull that thing off, remarkable. You know, he says back to me, Lance, good thing, because I need you in my life. That's the body of Christ. I'm telling you, if you want to grow into spiritual maturity, get connected. Allow yourself to be a part of it. Allow it to be a part of you. So you mean attending church is going to make me mature? No. You know what attending church does? Attending church allows you the opportunity, in my opinion, to exercise most comfortably your spiritual gifts. In fact, for some of you, it helps you recognize your spiritual gifts. The Bible says, to, how do I know that? Well, uh, when was the last time you had a word of wisdom or a scripture that you were at Costco and just thought you would share? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't know how to deliver the groceries there well. What I'm saying is, is this. Safe, church is a safe place to learn how to exercise your spiritual gift so you can take it to Costco. Church is a good place, to, a launching pad to send you into your mission and to recognize the mission. Church is the place where you're equipped and trained so you can go out. People are like, I don't need church. Church is corrupt. I've been hurt by church. Can I say this? If you've been hurt by church, I'm so sorry and I'm so glad you're here. And if you stay here long enough, you'll probably get hurt too. 
Because we're, this church is full of a bunch of broken human beings. And we'll probably hurt you. I'm sorry about that. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying somebody will hurt you wherever you go. But this church is also a place of tremendous healing and strength and courage and vitality and hope, direction and passion. And I'd go here if I were you. important that you find yourself connected to believers so you can allow yourself to be built up in your most holy faith and you can build someone up in theirs amen growth growth is a choice spiritual maturity is a choice that we got to choose to walk in lord i pray today that you help us i know i stepped on some toes today God, I pray that we would be willing to see what you have to say in the midst of it. We need you, Jesus. Lord, where we need to, where we need to repent, help us repent. Where we need to stand strong, help us stand strong. Where we need to acquiesce our own way to you, let us do that. God, we love you. You're enough, God. Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet?